0: Take your Bibles and uh, open up to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 8, and uh, does anyone need a Bible? Put your hand up and we'll make sure we get you one, okay? The way everyone has a copy of God's Word in their hands, right? And 1 Samuel chapter 8, and uh, we're going to continue in really the next three chapters of 1 Samuel over the next month. And we're we're talking about uh, this concept that we want a king. And really what we're looking at is we're looking at the nation of Israel. And we're looking at their response in kind of a tumultuous time. And seeking to consider what are the applications that we can see even in our own lives as we walk through this. And last week as we identified our main idea... This is really kind of consistently the uh, the the main idea of this whole series. And the, the main idea of this whole series being that uh true success is only achieved when the Lord leads. True success is only achieved when the Lord leads. And at the end of the day, at the end of this series, that's really the core idea that I want us to grasp in this, and that we're going to see unpacked on multiple levels, is that true success only takes place when the Lord is the one leading. And a part of that is us being willing to submit to His leadership, first and foremost. And so as we kind of introduce this idea and as we think through this, I want to challenge you uh, with a couple of questions and I just want you to think through these, okay? I just want you to consider these in your own life, okay? Just think about the answers to this for you. First off, why do we long for leadership? Why do we long for leadership? The second question follows this one, and it is, what kind of leadership do we long for? Now, your answer to these two questions says a lot about your personal convictions when it comes to what true leadership looks like. Answering the question, why I long for a leader in the first place, often translates to the type of leader that I'm longing for. And last week, as we went really through chapters 1 through 7 in 1 Samuel, we saw a lot happen. We saw specifically that Israel had ceased to pursue the Lord, and in fact, they just kind of acted out of their own will, out of their own desires, out of what they thought would be best in any given circumstance. And this really coming on the tails of the period of judges, still in the middle of that, where there's these cycle of just bad choices that put them into seasons of bondage that resulted in them crying out to the Lord, God delivering them, and then repeating this over and over for over 400 years. And so understanding that that's the tendency of people, we kind of have to stop and think about, oh my goodness, this is my tendency too. It's my tendency to recognize what the Lord's called me to, but to fall into my own patterns and habits. And then I end up in bondage and I go, how did I get here? Well, it wasn't just immediate, I can tell you that. But it's gradual and it causes us to enter these same cycles. And then as we look further into those chapters, we see this cultural shift happen. Where they come to Samuel, this man who's been raised up by God and equipped for the task of prophet and eventually judge over the people and they come to Samuel and say cry out to the Lord for us and they they're all of a sudden they recognize in a moment who the God of the Bible is the same God that delivered their 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 relatives out of Egypt the same God that brought them into the promised land to begin with and when there's that cultural shift God steps in in a huge way and delivers them from the hand of the Philistines So what happens on the tail end of this is Samuel is appointed as the judge over the people and he continues to serve in that role for the rest of his days. And this ultimately brings us to the beginning of chapter 8 where sadly we start to see the beginning of another unhealthy cycle. So look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 8 verse 1 said, when Samuel became old, everyone say old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba, yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. Let's pause for a minute. One of the first things I want you to see here and I want you to be challenged with ultimately is that Samuel, knowing he was a guy who is devoted to the Lord and he walked in the step with the Lord, recognized that his sons still didn't choose to walk in his steps It does not identify that this was a fault of Samuel. And in fact, we see this happen with many different individuals throughout Scripture. It happened to Eli. It happens to Samuel. It happens to David, King David, later on in this narrative. And sometimes, I just I as I read this, I just wanted to emphasize and pause for a minute and acknowledge that for those of you who are parents, some of you are parents of young children, some of you have adult children, some of you somewhere in between, and there is often a discouragement that comes when our children choose not to walk with the Lord. And I mention this because here is Samuel, someone called by God, a prophet of God, a leader amongst God's people, and his children still chose not to follow in his ways. And ultimately, the same truth applies in our children's lives and our personal lives, as is our main series idea that true success is only achieved when the Lord leads. And the reality being, each one of us has to make a commitment to allowing the Lord to lead in our life. And no one of us can cause another individual to make that decision. The same applies here for Samuel in his own family unit. Now... We could identify a big mistake here, that his sons did not walk in his ways, and yet Samuel made his sons judges over Israel. Okay? This was a problem. And so Samuel here, he continues to lead Israel, and he's reached a point where he's starting to hand off responsibility to his sons. His sons, just like so many generations of the past, are not following the Lord. And instead, they lead out of a desire for selfish gain. And if you recall back, we uh, spoke briefly in Scripture about uh, the biblical qualifications for a leader a few weeks ago. And one of those is in the New Testament that they not be someone greedy for selfish gain. The same applied back here in the Old Testament, okay? God's consistent here. But what happens? Well... The elders of Israel gather together and they come to a conclusion. Now, we don't really know what's taking place in this meeting amongst the elders, but we can kind of picture here, and I hope that you join me in kind of picturing what's taking place as these leaders assemble, and they start talking, and they go, well man, Samuel is getting really up there in age. And he's clearly started to hand off responsibility to his sons. But have you seen how his sons have acted? Have you seen how they've been leading? Oh, yeah, you know, just the other day I saw this happen. Well, what should we do? Well, let's throw out some ideas. Let's, let's brainstorm a little bit. What, what could be a solution here? You know, last time this happened with Eli, God just kind of took care of it and they all died. So what do we do here? And so they meet together, they dialogue. We don't know for how long or really what was said, but they come to a consensus and a conclusion. So they approach Samuel. And ultimately, I want you to recognize that in their debating, it does not mention them seeking God. It does not mention them praying and asking how to proceed according to God's plan. And instead they come to Samuel with a very worldly solution that ultimately reveals some much deeper rooted problems. The perceived problems are that Samuel's old and your sons don't follow the Lord. Those are the perceived problems by these elders, okay? And it, we see that here. When they, in verse 5, when they said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. These are the, the core problems to the elders there. And so they presented a solution. Now, appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. So this is my first observation I want you to jot down from this text. And that is the comparison here in their solution was to other nations rather than God's design. Their comparison to bring about a solution in this issue, the perceived issue being, well, he's old and his sons don't walk in the way of the Lord. So, solution. Let's get us a king. All all these other nations, man, I'm telling you what, they seem to be really successful with this type of leadership. So you bring about that and all our problems are going to be solved. It's going to be great. How often do we end up doing this very same thing? where we perceive a problem around us in some way, shape or form. And so what do we do? Man, I'm gonna tell you, we start looking at people that we perceive to be successful at this. We got a, we got a budget problem? Alright, let's find someone who doesn't seem to have a budget problem. We're gonna look what they do. And it's not just in secular world or secular culture. We do this in the church. Oh man. There's just not as many people here as I think there should be. What are we going to do? Well, that church seems to a lot of people. Let's see what they're doing. Let's go do what they're doing. And all this does is it extends out the problem. Because in the midst of this, true success cannot be had unless God's leading. And how are we supposed to know what God's leading us to do if we never actually go to Him? We never actually pursue that. Furthermore, how much of what we desire to see in a leader is rooted in our own perception of what works based on other earthly leaders as opposed to what God's established in His Word? And this ultimately goes back to those first two questions. Why do we long for leadership? And what kind of a leader do we long for? So often, church, it becomes way more about personally and me and what's best for me and what I think it should look like and me, 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 me. I'm telling you, in the midst of all of this, the biggest thing that seems to consistently get people in trouble is them thinking about themselves and focus so much on me that I lose sight of what is God even saying in the midst of all of this? Let's read on and see what happens as the elders brought this to Samuel. Verse 6, it says, But the thing displeased Samuel... When they said, give us a king to judge us. And so Samuel prayed to the Lord. Thank you, Samuel. For actually going to the Lord here. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Here's the second observation, church. The demand for an earthly king rejected God as the ultimate authority in their lives. The demand for a king rejected God as the ultimate authority in their lives. How so? Well, what is the people's perceived solution to their problems? Samuel, you're old. Your sons aren't following the Lord. The solution was not, you know what? I think we as elders should turn to the Lord right now. And maybe trust the Lord to lead us and to influence our decisions and influence how we're going to respond and how this is all going to go. And instead, they go, no, bring us a king because it's worked for all these other people, so it must work for us. And in doing so, the people identified, God, you're not enough. Your authority is not enough in my life. So we need someone else who we can call our leader and our ruler in order to accomplish what we're going to do here within our own nation. Now, I want to preface something and say that in no way am I expecting this message to communicate to you that somehow... The solution to all our problems is to abolish all leadership government structures and just do our own thing, okay? Now, sometimes it may feel like that would be the best thing to do, right? But this challenge specifically is for those of us who claim the name of Jesus and have identified that God is my ultimate authority and whatever I do, I want to serve Him. And I'm telling you that we have a problem when we become more concerned about what's happening in the political world than we are concerned about our spiritual focus and motivation as the church. And we will not get it right in the secular world until our eyes are fully fixed on the King, the true King, the God of the Bible. And as long as we continue looking to man for the solutions that only God can bring, we reject God as the ultimate authority. And so often our responses to what's taking place blatantly show a rejection of God as that authority. And it needs to change. Now, let's look at verse 8. First Samuel chapter 8, it says, According to all the deeds they have done, this is God speaking to Samuel, from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the King who shall reign over them. Third observation here, church. The demand for an earthly king comes with a warning. The demand for an earthly king comes with a warning. God ultimately says, Samuel, if they've forsaken me after all I've done for them, don't be surprised that they're forsaking you and what you're trying to lead them into. If they've forsaken me, the God who brought them out of Egypt, who delivered them from Pharaoh, who went before them in a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire, who parted the Red Sea, they walked across on dry land, defeated the army of Pharaoh, brought them into the promised land after they denounced me once, wandered the desert, saw me help them conquer these massive land areas and provide them with plenty to flourish only to see themselves go after other gods, to see me raise up leaders and uh, deliver them out of those, only to repeat the cycle again and again and again. Samuel, if they're going to reject me, don't be surprised when they reject you. And so God, as He often does, gives the people over to exactly what they think is best even though what is best is for them to simply humble themselves and turn to the Lord and allow Him to be the one who leads. It comes with a warning. Now, the details of that warning we're going to get into in the coming weeks. Next week specifically, we're going to focus just on verse 8 and look specifically at what even is idolatry. And what does he mean? They they've forsaken me and are serving other gods. So how does that how does that apply to us? We're going to look at that next week, just that alone, because it's a big, big subject matter. And then after that, we're going to look at what is what is the warning? What should we expect of someone who's leading other than God Himself? What shouldn't we be surprised by? And then ultimately, capping that by thinking about what do we really long for? What is who we are and what we're doing? communicate about what we long for. But today specifically I want to give you two specific points of application. First off, don't be surprised when earthly rulers rule in earthly ways. Don't be surprised. And we're going to get into that's part of the warning. You want an earthly king? You want an earthly ruler? Don't, don't be surprised when they lead in earthly ways. Don't be surprised when they don't do what you think they should do because ultimately, they're not God. Don't be surprised when earthly rulers rule in earthly ways. Secondly, I want you to think about this question. Who or what is the authority that we demand in our life? Is it really God? Who or what is the authority that we truly demand in our life? And there's many ways we can evaluate that and look at that, but ultimately it comes down to where are my eyes fixed the most? Where does my 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 stuff go to the most? Where does my time go to the most? Who are the voices I listen to the most? will often reveal the answer to this question. Church, I long for us to be a people who not, don't just verbally affirm that God is the one who leads us, but that by what we say and what we do, it would be visibly clear that He is our King. But in order for that to take place, there's got to be some deep-seated transformation that takes place. Where I become way more a follower of Jesus than I am an American. Where I'm way more a follower of Jesus than I am whatever I do that I'm way more a follower of Jesus than you fill in the blank. That our identity and who we are would be in Christ. And our authority, the driving force in our life, would be nothing of this world but the very one who saved us in Christ. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Let's pray together. Father, we are fully in recognition that we need you to lead. And God, we acknowledge the sinfulness of so much of our leadership right now. And Lord, I pray that you would deliver us. But God, that you would not deliver us until we fully recognized how much we have to change in and of ourselves, in our attitudes, in our pursuits, in who we bow to as king. God, help us to humble ourselves. And be a people for your possession. Completely overtaken by you. To do your will. Acknowledging you and you alone as God. Pray all of this in the name of Jesus.